0: Thank you for joining us. You are listening to a ministry of Crossview Church with Pastor Kevin Hardcastle. Well, we are in the middle of a series uh, that we've been talking about called Anxious for Nothing. Turn to your neighbor and say anxious for nothing. Don't forget that part. Uh, and what perfect timing for this message, especially coming up on a, what could be a very anxious season. Maybe for you, it's an anxious week that's coming up. Maybe you got family coming in town uh, to visit you and share the joy of family or the misery, whichever one it is. Um, but you have your family coming in and that brings anxiety to you. Maybe, um, maybe this year is the first year. Maybe you're facing uh, a hard year for some loss that you have been through. And so that causes anxiousness and causes a feeling of sadness in your life. Whatever it is kind of leading into this week, in this season, my purpose for this message is to remind us where our source comes from, is to remind us of who we lean on whenever the feelings of anxiety gets high, when fear is overwhelming, when worry seems to be all-consuming and almost paralyzes us, where do we turn? Where do we have our hope and our trust in when we go through anxious moments in our life? Because the fact is, they all come. All of us in here at some point are going to face anxiety or anxious feelings or fearful or worry that's always going to come into our life at certain seasons. Some are worse than others. And some would say that's caused by psychological things, that's caused by maybe your situation that you're going through. Maybe it's caused because your emotions are elevated and high, and so you kind of feel a, a sense of, uh, of high emotions at this time. Um I have said to you over the last couple of weeks, and I'll say it again, I believe that this anxiety that we struggle with in life is always, those other ones are good, and those other ones are a part of it, but I do believe that anxiety, for the most part, all the time, is spiritual. It's a spiritual thing that lies inside of us, maybe because we're not trusting God enough for something, or maybe we haven't released something to God that that we say, okay, you can have it, but then we take it back and we try to control it. Whatever it is, I believe it's very spiritual. And so we've been on this journey trying to discover, well, if it's spiritual, how do we fix it? How do we work through it? How do we ask God to help us work through it. So Philippians chapter 4, if you have your Bibles, open it up there. Philippians chapter 4. We've been using this verse, these verses, to kind of set up an outline of the process. How do we work through anxiety? Now, remember the context. Um, Those of you who've been here over the last couple weeks, you know that we, the the book of Philippians was written by a man named Paul, um, and currently in his situation where he's at, he's in prison or he's a prisoner. He's not necessarily in prison with like uh, chain walls. He's actually under house arrest. So he's, he's in a, a place that's not as bad as a prison, but he's under 24 hour care and watch from the Roman guards. He has no freedoms. He's, he's told what to do, when to do it. And, and yet in this situation where he's at in this these particular verses, he says something that's very powerful. So if you're following along with me, Let's read this out loud, because if anybody had a reason to be anxious, it was certainly Paul. Would you not agree? Definitely Paul had every reason in the world to have anxiety in his life. But here's what he says. What does he say? He says what? Rejoice, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. What? He is challenging us here to rejoice in all things that we're going through. It says, let your gentleness be evident at all. What, the, what does it say? The Lord is near. Say it again. The Lord is near. is near. Our very first week, that's what we covered. I encourage you to remember that when you go through anxious times, when you go through worry, when you go through sadness, when you go through depression, when you go through, remember the Lord is near. You may not feel him. You may not hear him because sometimes the reason why you can't hear him is because he's whispering and you have all these other things that are pressing their way in. You can't hear the whisper of God. And so what do we have to do? We have to still our souls. We have to still our spirit. And we have to remind ourselves that the Lord is near. Point number one, first week was the Lord was near. Then it goes on to say, do not be what? Do not be, do not be anxious for about anything or anxious for nothing. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, we talked about that last week. That was our point number two, that we are to bring, we're to pray through pain. That when pain comes our way, The greatest thing we can do is pray and ask God to heal our pain and trust him that every situation, everything we're going through, he has us in his hands. And that we talked about last week. It says, with thanksgiving, we're going to come back to that. Present your request to God. And then it says, and the peace, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your what? Will guard your what? Hearts and your hearts mind in Christ Jesus. So Father, help us today to work through, to understand the cause, to see that you are the solution, that you are near, and that as we pray and as we give thanks, we find this peace that will come upon our hearts and our minds in you. God, I pray for those today that that are in this room that are struggling with anxious thoughts, God, that, that are struggling with um, things that I, I, don't even, I, don't, I can't even speak of, but God, they're struggling with anxiousness, their finances, their marriage or their jobs, or God, maybe it's their family situation, their dynamics that's going on. God, I pray in the next few moments of time, may this word speak and bring life to those who hear it today. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. amen. Today, I want to talk with you today about the perspective of praise. I turn to your neighbor and say praise. 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 We know what perspective is, but sometimes we get kind of confused about what praise would be. Perspective of praise. What is a perspective? Perspective, we may think, is pretty much what you see or how you see things. But actually, the Latin word that is perspective, it actually means to look through, to look through. Understand that we see perspective as what we see right here. But in the Latin, the actual root word is to look through. So you see beyond where you're at. And some of you today are going to hear this, I pray, that what you're in the middle of and what you're facing and the hardships that pressing in on you and the anxiety that's pressing on you, Sometimes God wants us to praise our way so that our perspective changes, that we can see that God somehow is working on the other end, that somehow God is doing what only God can do. So I want to go back a little bit in this letter, okay? We're in Philippians chapter 4, okay? What comes before 4? 3, 2, we're going to go to 1. We're going to start in chapter one. So everybody go to Philippians chapter one because Philippians chapter one actually gives us a clear understanding why Paul would say, Rejoice in the Lord always, I will say it again, rejoice. This actually gives us a little bit of a better understanding of what's going on. But I want you guys to know this. There's all kinds of translations, right? Everybody has a different translation. I don't know what your translation is on your Bible, but some have New International Version, others have the Holy King James Version, King James Version, holiness. Um, today, we're going to read from the BPV version, the bad perspective version. It's not a real version. Don't go try looking for it. I just made it up. Bad perspective version in Philippians chapter 1, verse 12 and 13. Here's what the bad perspective version says. Now, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, uh, that what's happened to me really sucks. My God let me down. I'm overwhelmed with anxiety, (laughs) depression, and hopelessness. And because of the horrible life I'm experiencing, what is it? I'm quitting. I'm quitting on my job. I'm quitting on my marriage. I'm quitting on my church. I'm my ministry. I'm out. Bad perspective version this is where we kind of go to in life we kind of look at our situation and we say this stinks this is bad I quit I'm out I don't want anything to do with this because this is too painful for me to go through this causes me too much heartache and too much pain the bad perspective version if we let that get in us we'll always be the victim hello always be the victim You'll always feel victimized by your circumstance. Your husband will never love you enough. Your wife will never do enough for you. You'll you'll never find satisfaction in finances because there's never enough. You'll always be the victim. Your boss is harder on you than anybody else. He's always picking on me. Why? Because the bad perspective version makes it all about me. Hello? Me. The bad perspective version says, I've been hurt, I've been wounded, and you're to blame. And I'm gonna be the victim until you apologize for what you've done to me. Now, I say all this because it's all about perspective. This is not what Paul said in Philippians chapter one, verse 12 and 13. Now, let me tell you what's happened to Paul before we read it. In chapter four, he's in chains, he's on 24 hour rest. In this particular state, he's going to talk about something that happened in Acts, and we'll cover that in just a minute. But let's read what the actual translation actually says. Here's what Paul really wrote He said this Now, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually happened, as, has actually, uh, actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has what? It's become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I'm in chains for Christ. See the difference between bad perspective version and what Paul's actual version says. Bad perspective is all about me. In this situation, it's all about who? It's all about Christ. It's all about God. It's all about, listen, yeah, I'm in chains, but guess what? It's because God's using it to do something better that I could never do on my own. This is the powerful part of the right perspective, the perspective of praise. As you go in to this week, as we celebrate Thanksgiving, and you have all of your meals with all your families and friends, and you sit around, you talk about what you're thankful for, and you give grace, you give gratitude to God, you give thanks to God, This should be a daily occurrence in the heart and life of every Christian. Grateful for who he is, not for what he does. Again, grateful for who he is. Why? Because I remember when I'm going through hard times, my God says he'll never leave me, nor will he forsake me. I have to remember that. Secondly, I have to remember when I go through hard times, no weapon formed against me will prosper because my God is bigger than any and every other power out there, no matter who they are. I have to remember that when I go through hard times, though I may feel discouraged, I may feel depleted, I may feel beaten down, my God works all things out for the good of those who love him. So God, if I'm in it, then I'm in it. And because you love me, you're going to bring me through it. Well, that was, thank you. That was good preaching. We have to understand that when Paul pins these letters, he pins from a place of praise rather than a place of victimhood. He's given glory to the one who's going to bring him through it because he knows that he can't do anything but sit there in chains. And he knows that God's going to bring him through it. Every one of you out there, every one of you has a different perspective. Husbands and wives have different perspectives about things. Children and parents have a different perspective about things. You see things differently, right? And because you see things differently, you can tend to take on an attitude that no one knows what I'm going through because no one's ever been at my place. That is such a lie. Someone may not have been in your exact place with exact characters that's in your little play, but every one of us have been in the same play, just different characters. We've all had marital problems. We've all had financial problems. We've all had relational problems. We've all had job problems. We've all been in the same place of anxiety, stress, and pressure. So how does Paul say, Philippians chapter 4, pop it up there for me, guys, rejoice in the Lord always, I will say it again, what? rejoice. How dare him? How dare, how does he get by telling me how to rejoice in God? Well, it goes back to Acts. Look at Acts chapter 16, okay? Understand this, this was not Paul's first time in prison, Some of you may not know that. Paul was in prison many times for preaching the gospel. Uh, In fact, in this particular story, he wasn't just in prison for preaching the gospel, but he was in prison because Paul and Silas were like two buddies, and they were doing their life. They were going around life doing good. They were doing good for people, helping people out. A woman came up who was possessed by a demon, and Paul and Silas cast the demon out of her. Good thing, right? Nope, not a good thing. They didn't like that because the magistrates and the magistrates and the leaders got upset with them and here's what they did look at acts chapter 16 acts chapter 16 verse or yeah 16 verse 22 it said the crowd joined and attacked paul and silas and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods going about doing their goods doing a good thing, casting a demon out of a woman, and they get beat down. If anybody had every reason in the world to be a victim, it was Paul. He was doing good. my, you know, Just doing what God's called him to do, and yet he gets beaten down. Now, some of you, just, some of you have never been stripped, I hope, and beaten in the public squares. That'd be embarrassing. But can I honestly say, Many of you sit here today and you've been stripped of your confidence, you've been beaten down from the joy that used to once to be in your life. Many of you sitting here today, you're, you, have, you have lost dignity for yourself. You've allowed there to be things go on in your life that has broke you down and beat you to a place where you may not be physically beaten but you've been beaten nonetheless and you've been stripped of some things that God wants you to have today. And this is exactly where Paul and Silas are at. Imagine, they get beaten down. They're thrown into a real prison with real prison walls. And they're sitting there. Can you just picture? Bruises, blood, open wounds seeping out from, from the beating they just took. Black eyes, I'm sure. I'm sure they were, they were bruised and sore and in agony. And here they sit, just minding their own business, and they're beaten and stripped and thrown into prison because they cast a demon out of a woman. How unfair, right? How unfair. What is wrong with these people, you might ask? Well, we don't really care what's wrong with the people. What we care about is how did Paul and Silas handle that situation? Well, here's what they did. About midnight, they're bleeding. I'm sure they're hurting. Their lungs are sore. they probably got broke ribs. And here's what they say. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying. And what were they doing? Singing hymns to God. Woo. They didn't take a pity party. They didn't sit down and say, oh, woe is me. I've been beaten and bruised. Oh, I'm such, I'm so so, so, I'm so lost. I, I've been hurt so bad and I can't go on. You no, know, it says about midnight, Paul and Silas began praying and singing and the other prisoners, what were they doing? They were listening to them. I'm probably, they were saying, what in the world is going on next door at the cell? What are they drinking over there? What's going on? Why are they singing? Why are they praising? What is happening? Here's what I believe Paul said. Paul said, hey, Silas, I still got breath in my lungs. Hey Silas, we're not dead. If we're not dead, we're not done. If we're not done, God has something more for us to do. So it's time for us to shake off the pain, shake off the yuck, shake off the all the all the hurts that have come in my life. Shake it off, and it's time for me to praise God. Let's start praising God. And they start singing and they start worshiping God and they start lifting up their voices because they weren't praising God for the situation they were in. They were praising God because they saw through the situation they were in to see where God was going to take them in the future. They had no idea what God was going to do. They had no idea the powerful thing that was about to take place. Some of you've never heard this story because you haven't saw it in, in the book of Acts, but here's what it says. Let's read the rest of the story as Paul Harvey would. I think it's Paul Harvey, what's his name? Right? Paul Harvey. Paul Harvey said, "Here's the rest of the story." They're singing They're praising, they're worshiping God. People are going, these guys are nuts. They just got beat down, man. They just got whooped and they're singing. But here's what happens. It says, suddenly, because of the result of their praise, suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. Hmm. At once, all the prison doors, what'd they do? They flew open. They flew open and everyone's chains came loose. It goes on to say, The jailer woke up. Well, first off, he's sleeping on the job. There's something wrong with that guy right there. Union job, I bet, is what it was. He woke up, and he saw the prison doors open. And what did he do? He drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he knew if prisoners had left that he would be killed. And Paul said, wait, 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 wait. Wait, 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 we're still here. We haven't gone anywhere. We're still right here. We're all right here. Goes on to say, the jailer called for lights. He rushed in and fell, trembling before Paul and Silas. And he then then brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, believe in Jesus, Lord Jesus, uh, and you will be saved, and you and your household. Then they spoke. Now that's a whole different message that I want to get into, but gentlemen, the power of a man being transformed by the power of God will change your family tree. Amen. We are called as men to lead spiritually our families. We're called to step in and become the man that God's called us to become, and that's why it says, uh, "It says uh, you will be saved and your entire household," because that's a man gets saved. I, I saw a, stat, a statistic, 96% of households get saved because a father gets saved. It's a powerful thing, gentlemen. I'm so proud that you're here today. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and all the others, all the others that, that were with him, all the others that were around him. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them. And what did he do? He finally washed their wounds. Remember, they're sitting there, so they hadn't been cleaned up, they'd been beaten. He washed their wounds and then it says, Then immediately he and all his household were baptized. Midnight. Hey, we're here to do a baptism ceremony at midnight. You know, such powerful things. The jailer brought them into his house, set for before them a meal, and he filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. It says this, When when it was daylight, the magistrates, the people who had beat them, the people who had over them beaten and thrown in jail, they came to their senses. It says, sent their officers to the jailers and ordered, release those men. The jailer told Paul, the magistrates have ordered that, that you and Silas be released. Now you can leave. What does it say? Go in. Say it again. Go in peace remember when Paul writes the words in chapters later this chapter this is in Acts and this Philippians is wrote many times later this is sometime after this he says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. Notice that Paul didn't run out of the prison. Notice Paul didn't overthrow the jailer. He had peace. He was gentle. And because he was gentle, the Lord was near. And because the Lord was near, God delivered them. And some of you today need to shift your perspective of victimization, your, your perspective that it's all about you, And you need to see the perspective of praise. Look through your situation and see the other side. Paul says in Philippians chapter one, what I went through is nothing but more to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what it's all about. Every person in that prison heard about Jesus. The jailers were saved. The household was saved. Because why? Praise rose. How do we praise? We praise God for who he is, not what he does. Somebody in this place today, I know it's tough. Some of you today, sitting here, you're up against a mountain like you've never had before. Some of you today are hurting, struggling with your image, you're struggling with relationships, maybe you're struggling with just life in general. I just want to encourage you today turn your eyes from your situation and turn your eyes to the one who brings you through he will take you through it but you have to set aside the victimizing you have to set aside being the victim you're not the character in the story no god is the main character in your story god is the main main person that guides your steps You may not like the things you're going through. And let me just say, sometimes the things that we go through, they're so painful. We can't see how God could ever use it. How could God ever use this deep pain I'm facing? This heartbreak, this betrayal, this loss. How could God ever use this pain? I'm here to tell you, and I say this time and time again, God never wastes a pain. He never wastes a trial. He never wastes those things in our life. If we come to him and say, okay, I don't know what's going on, but God, here I am. Here I am. And just like Paul, how do you want to use me? I I lift up my hands, and I believe that God, even though I can't see you, can't feel you, I have to know you never left me, you never forsake me. And God, you're bringing me through it. Bow your heads to me this morning. God, it's so easy. So easy to get caught up in our hurt feelings. So easy to become the victim so easy to whine and complain about the hurts and struggles in our life. But God, here in this moment, here in this time, would you, God, just somehow give us your perspective, the perspective of praise that sings through the trials and sings through the valleys. And Sings through the loss. God, we lift our voice, we lift our hands, and we lift our hearts. And we trust you, God, that Lord, if you work all things out for the good of those who love you, I love you, God. And because you're going to work things out, I trust you to take me and carry me through your hands. In your hands I will go, and in your hands I will abide, and in your hands I will find shelter from the struggles and the storms and the sadness and the anxiety life so lord here in the next few moments of time let's be grateful let's have a heart of gratitude let us worship you because you god have done what only you can do you've been listening to a ministry of crossview church in keokuk iowa with pastor kevin hardcastle for more information about service times and activities, visit our website, crossviewkiokuk.com.